Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 162. As the Islanders and Hurricanes are going back to Long Island with the Hurricanes holding a commanding 2-0 lead in this series. Although, you know the old uh, cliche about uh, it's not a series until the uh, the home team loses. you got to hold serve on your own court. And Hi, I'm Andrew Gross of Newsday and we're going to go over and break down the Islanders' 4-3 overtime loss in Wednesday night's Game 2 at PNC Arena in Raleigh, North Carolina, and look ahead to Game 3 on Friday night at UBS Arena. And look, I, I know I know it's a, a 2-0 deficit, and the Islanders, if they want to advance, are going to have to win four of these next... Uh, you know, uh, what is it, uh, for the next five games, and that, and that's that's a pretty daunting task. But still, that, that first playoff game ever at UBS Arena, it should be an event. I expect a great crowd, um, and more so since my daughter told me she just got tickets too, so she'll be in the audience, so that'll be fun. Um, but no, I, I, I expect it to be loud. I expect... <laughs> fans to treat it like a party, you know, a coming out party for UBS Arena, uh, which it really is. Um, Unfortunately, uh, and I'm not going to rehash it, but obviously uh, last season was a tough first season in the building for the Islanders, and uh, you you got a sense of what that building could be like in the playoffs during the uh, regular season finale against the Canadians as the Islanders uh, clinched uh, a playoff spot finally in game 82 of the regular season, but I expect it to be even more so uh, than that come Friday night. I, I think it's going to be a really fun night, at least to to start, and then it's on the Islanders to uh, to translate that crowd energy into a, a victory in this series, because, you know, if, if game two was not a must-win, um, game three certainly is. Absolutely. Uh, the Islanders cannot go down 3 nothing, uh in this series, and I, I don't even have to go over why not, right? Um, now, I, I'll get to Jesper Foss' overtime winner in Game 2 in a minute, um, and, and certainly there's a lot to be said about that whole sequence and, and what, what occurred there and everyone's reaction to it. But overall, uh, a Game 2... Uh, again, the Islanders fall into a 2 nothing hole, uh, as they did in Game 1. But this time, uh, there, there was a serious power play discrepancy. Uh, the, the, the Hurricanes went 1-for-6 on the man advantage, and, and the Islanders did not get any power play chances. It says 0-for-0 zero zero on the score sheet, and uh, it, kind of ironic because uh, at the morning skate, as they... Uh, as they wrapped up working on their power play, we all noticed that something looked a little bit different. And uh, what it was, was uh, most NHL teams now uh, run a 1-3-1 uh, a on the power play, meaning you got usually a defenseman back up on the blue line as the, uh, as the quarterback. Uh, different, different players rotate back to the point as depending on which side of the ice the puck is on. But it, typically you got that 
Uh, the, the one defenseman is a power play quarterback. He's the one up on the blue line. Then you got three across. You got guys on the right wall, right half wall. You got a guy on the left half wall. And those are, you know, sort of setting up for those uh, uh, one-timers uh, from the circles, that, that kind of thing. And then you got a guy in the so-called bumper position that's between the circles. And then you have a net front presence, uh, you know, for the Islanders, that being Anders Lee. And that's your 1-3-1. Uh, your but uh, at Wednesday's morning skate, uh, the Islanders skated in a 2-1-2. So what they had was, again, we'll talk about the first unit. If if the 1-3-1 of the first unit is Dobson is the uh, power play quarterback up on the blue line, and then three cross, you got Matt Barzell usually on the left half wall. You got Bo Horvat in the bumper position between the circles, and then Brock Nelson setting up on the right half wall, and Anders Lee as the, uh, the net front presence. I- I- instead, uh, Lane Lambert tweaked that to more of a, a, a 2-1-2. So Matthew Barzell, instead of being on the left half wall, was over on his right side um, and, and sort of playing more up on the point, uh, you know, uh, on, on a plane with Noah Dobson. Uh, and, and then you had uh, Anders Lee sort of coming away from the net, and he was that one. You know, so you had Dobson and, and Barzell as a two. You got Lee sort of as that one. And then you had Nelson and uh, Horvat operating a, a little bit lower on the flanks around the crease as another two. And it, it was just a shame. Never got to see that in action in the uh, in the game. Very odd. You know, one team gets six power plays. And I, I should note that it really, you know, Basically, the the Islanders got called for two double minors. Uh, Casey Sezikis, uh with a high stick uh, in the first period at ten fifty two, and uh, uh, he high sticked uh, the Hurricanes Sebastian Aho, who I believe lost at least one tooth on that. And that's uh, another way you can tell uh, the Hurricanes Sebastian Aho uh, the difference between him and uh, the Islanders Sebastian Aho. I think. Uh, the Islanders, Sebastian Ajo, has a higher teeth count right now. Um, and then Samuel Bolduc uh, got called for high-sticking double minor, and those are four minutes apiece at 4.01 of the second period. And uh, uh, he got up on uh, on uh, defenseman Brett Pesci um, from New York, by the way, up in uh, Westchester, Tarrytown, I believe, where the Rangers practice. Um and so, and so for the second time in three games, uh, uh, Lane Lambert, after that double minor to Samuel Bulldog, he sat the rookie the rest of the way. The Islanders uh, played with those five defensemen. Um, so that, that, that's what accounted for six power plays for the Hurricanes. But look, uh, overall, uh, the Islanders did a, a really good job uh, – not falling into a, a two nothing deficit, but but clawing their way out of that. Kyle Palmieri, uh with, with a, a backhander that I thought Antti Ranta should have stopped. Uh, Palmieri uh, skates around the crease and pots a backhander at ten forty eight. Um, Stefan Mason had had made it two uh, nothing uh, at seven nineteen of the uh, second period, ending. Uh, Ending that second, the, the, the Bulldog double minor. Uh, and that's one of the stranger goals you're going to see because uh, Stefan Nason is at the right point. 
um, in the Islander zone, and he tries to get off a shot. The puck's in the air, and, and the Islanders, Sebastian Ajo, the, the defenseman, tries to kind of swat the puck while it's in the air, and he swats it backwards, and it changes directions, and it surprises Ilya Sorokin. So uh, you had the Hurricanes, Sebastian Ajo, scoring a power play goal uh, in game one, and now you have the Islanders defenseman, Sebastian Ajo, with an own goal uh, again on the power play in game two. Um, but but after that, uh, the, the Islanders, I, I thought their physical game really started to wear down uh, the Hurricanes, and, and, and they stopped making the turnover mistakes uh, that the, the Hurricanes were pressuring them into uh, early in the first period, much like in Game 1. I thought the Islanders stabilized that part of the game, and, the, and they were able to start navigating through the neutral zone which much, with much more regularity. They were getting some rush opportunities, uh, which they, they got barely none of in, in game, uh, game 1. So I thought that was a, a good sign. And, you know, like I said, they get, they get three straight goals, Palmieri and then Matt Barzell uh, with a really nice wicked wrister uh, from the slot, uh, ties it up at 2-2 with 20.8 seconds left in the second period. And then Brock Nelson um, with, with, with a, another one of his patented wristers uh, makes it 3-2 at 9-18 of the, uh, of the third period. And you're thinking, boy, the, the Islanders might have... Uh, you know, they might escape here with a 1-1 split, which is really what they wanted going back to Long Island. But no, um, defenseman Jacob Slavin uh, banks one off Sorokin uh, from a sharp angle at 12-19, 3-3. And then, uh, and again, we'll, we'll talk more about Jesper Foss' overtime goal coming up very, very quickly here. But, you know, uh, overall... Um, it, it was a better performance by the Islanders than in Game 1. Uh, I know that doesn't really mean much because they're down 2 nothing in the series. But uh, here's Brock Nelson uh, on, on the loss in Game 2 and some of that power play discrepancy and also the importance of Matthew Barzell uh, after that 23-game injury absence to end the regular season. He's in his second game, gets his first goal of the playoffs. Uh, the importance of that to the New York Islanders. It hurts. I don't know if you could let yourself get frustrated. I think, um, you know, how hard the PK worked. Um, battle back to give ourselves a chance to like to see a different result um, and head back tied up. But um, now it's it, it's over and um, we'll, we'll rewatch some things, look at some stuff, and uh, we have to take care of business at home. Have you ever been involved in a game where there are six power plays on one side and none on the other? I don't think I have been, no. So, I mean... Tough, uh, tough, tough that way. The way uh, kind of played out, but I mean, never, never seen an argument with the ref. You know, he won. <laughs> that's, that's true. I mean, along those lines, what did you make of the overtime winner, and should it have allowed to be? I did see. I mean, I heard. Uh, obviously, Scotty said he got high sticked, and I, I just saw the aftermath. I didn't see a replay, and um, I guess you know he missed it. Um, they didn't really want to have a discussion about it either, so um, we're here now and got to focus on game two. He's he's so dynamic and he, he's our guy and uh, offensive leader for us. So to see him, you know, flying around, creating, generating, that's going to be huge for us. And uh, if we're going to win, uh, going to need that. So if if the Islanders had reason to complain about the officiating and. Uh, Islanders coach Lane Lambert Lambert was very tempered 
uh, in his reactions and his comments after the game. You, you could see him fighting himself in a little bit. You could tell he was very, very angry, but he, he kept himself from saying anything that, you know, the league would take the wrong way or, or you know, just he didn't want to uh, come out blasting the refs. You could see it. The, the furthest he would go would be uh, to say that when asked whether it was bothersome, uh, to have the winning goal score uh, scored on a sequence where maybe the whistle should have blown and the Islanders, you know, ironically, maybe should have been on a four-minute power play there, um, you know, because Scotty Mayfield was cut on that. Uh, but, you know, Lane, Lane said, yeah, yeah, it was bothersome. You know, actually, he just said, yeah. Um, but uh, in showing you that no matter what, Anyone can really complain about the the, the officiating. Uh, Hurricanes coach Brad Brindamore, he admitted he was uh, ticked off after the game because he he announced that uh, Tuvo Teravainen, who is playing or was playing uh, on the uh, on the Hurricanes top line with uh, the Hurricanes Sebastian Aho and Seth Jarvis. Um, Teravainen is now out for the series, certainly for the series. He might be out for the playoffs, uh, with a broken hand. And, uh, um, it, it came, uh, Gigi Pajot did get his stick, uh, a little bit of a slash on, on Teravainen's hand. He has a broken hand and Brindamore said Teravainen would have surgery tomorrow, um, or would have surgery depending on when you're listening to this, but, uh, on the off day between games uh, two and three, Teravainen's going to have surgery. He's out with a broken hand. And Brenda Moore felt that that certainly should have been called a, a slash on Pajot. Um, so, you know, you heard me say in the, in the other, in the last uh, episode, 161, talking about the officiating, I talked about how there were some odd calls by that refereeing crew. And uh, uh, this refereeing crew, completely different from game one, you had Francis Sharon and Jake Brank on the ice, um, along with linesman uh, Johnny Murray and Trevor Gallritz. Gallritz. Um, it's a different, different crew in, in game two. But you heard me say in the last episode, I, I really don't get into the storylines of the refereeings deciding the games with, you know, uh, one-sided, you know, calls. And, uh, you know, they're looking to really, you know, penalize the other teams. I, I never really got into that. Um, and, and I think the fact that <laughs> Rod Brindamore came out of a game where he had six power plays and the Islanders didn't have any. And he was... Uh, you know, ticked off about the officiating. And I think that really does show you uh, that it does go both ways where, you know, the, the, the refs are going to anger everyone, right? Um, but but in overtime, and look, I, you know, without the benefit of uh, uh, stopping and starting the video and really taking a look at this, um, you know, the Islanders certainly thought Scott Mayfield had been high-sticked by Jordan Martunek and... Uh, Mayfield thought so, uh, Lane Lambert thought so, uh, but what happened was uh, Scotty Mayfield's going along the wall, uh, the Hurricanes are bringing the puck into the, uh, uh, the Islanders zone, uh, Mayfield gets a stick up 
into his face, and I, I believe he was cut. He was not available uh, post-game for comment because uh, the Islanders said he was getting medical treatment, so I believe he was cut there. And uh, Mayfield goes down to the ground. He's holding his face. Um, no call. And then when he gets up, he goes, instead of following the play and getting back in defensive position, he went uh, and, and he started complaining to the refs that why was there no call? And as that's happening, uh, Jordan Stahl finds Jesper Faust, and, and it's a goal, and it's a, it's a win uh, for the Hurricanes at 5.03 of overtime. And uh, uh, as you heard Brock Nelson said, the referees really were not in the mood to stop and discuss with the Islanders what was going on. But let me just read you a couple of rules here. And, uh, you know, there, there, there was also some question as to whether uh, Scott Mayfield, with his own stick, had sort of knocked Martunic's stick up. So, in essence, uh, uh, he had, he had sticked him, high-sticked himself. Um, you know, again, I, I need to wa- look at it uh, several more times uh, to see. Um, anyway, so, uh, here's, here's one rule that may apply, um, uh, as I call this up, and this is rule 32.4, uh, um, which reads, the linesman must stop play and immediately report to the referees when, colon, and, uh, the, the clause is, when it is apparent an injury has resulted from a high stick, that has gone undetected by the referees and requires the assessment of a double minor penalty. See Rule 60. So, you know, there's the thought and, uh, you know, the debate that that should have applied. And then you go to uh, Rule 60, um, as I try and uh, call that one up here, um, with the computer being just a little slow. Here we go. Um, Did I get it? Uh, nope. Uh, hold on. Uh, still trying to get it. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Um, where did it go? Uh, oh man, I had it here a second ago. Here we go. Here we go. Rule 60. High sticking. Um, for quote unquote high sticking the puck, refer to rule 80. A high stick is one which is carried above the height of the opponent's shoulders. Players must be in control and responsible for their stick. However, a player is permitted accidental contact on an opponent if the act is committed as a normal wind-up or follow-through of a shooting motion or accidental contact on the opposing center who is bent over during the course of the face-off. A wild swing at a bouncing puck would not be considered a normal wind-up or follow-through, and any contact to an opponent above the height of the shoulders shall be penalized accordingly. So, you know, you read Rule 60 and you read uh, Rule 32.4, and, and it really does seem like something, something should have been called there, and, and it wasn't, and uh, again... You know, it, it doesn't help hearing it, but dems the breaks. This stuff happens in professional sports. And, uh, you know, it went against the Islanders in this case. And, and it's really, it's heightened because the Islanders didn't get any calls against them all game. So it really does feel like, you know, they got, um, they had it against them all, all day. And, uh, 
Uh, here's I, I, I got to Zach Parisi after the game, and I got his thoughts on uh, how the Islanders played, and uh, he wasn't biting when I asked him about the Scotty Mayfield uh, play. That one stings a little bit, but you know what? Two games we could have, we had our chances to win. We didn't. Now get that third one. Should that uh, overcome the county? You guys all watched the game. You saw. No reason for me to comment on it. So the Islanders, one of the one of the things that was impressive in this game is they certainly. Uh, you heard me say they wore down the Hurricanes. Well, the the hits in this game, they had fifty four hits in this game. They out hit the. Uh, the Hurricanes by a, a considerable margin, 54 to 28. Ryan Pulak had another seven hits in this game. Uh, Matty Martin, um, when he wasn't sitting on opponents, he was credited with uh, uh, six hits. And, uh, you know, that's 16 hits in two games in this series for uh, Ryan Pulak, who had another very, very strong game. Um, the, the, the physicality, which started in game one, uh, the Islanders out hit the Hurricanes 43-39. So really, both teams were at it in the first game. And uh, by the score sheet, the Islanders had a decided advantage. And, and this, is, this is how they're going to win in, in game three um, and, and moving forward in this series. This is uh, the Islanders' template as they get to their physical game and they keep at it, and they wear opponents down. And, you know, now the, the Hurricanes are without Taravainen, um, so they're going to have to uh, shuffle their lines around. Remember, they're already without Andrei Shevchnikov. Oh, boy. Um, uh, you know, uh, this is why I'm a writer, folks. Um, anyway, so they're already without Shevchnikov. Now they're out with, without Taravainen. And uh, you know, those those are those are pieces, and and it's the Islanders' physicality. They're trying to wear uh, the, uh, the the Hurricanes down to where it starts to take a real effect. And and you know, I thought it did the second part of Game Two, and, and it did for stretches in Game One. Um, it, it it's a cumulative effect. Um, so the the Islanders certainly need to to continue that in in Game Three. What what can they do better in Game Three? Well, let let's start with not taking some of those ill advised penalties. I, I mean, my gosh, uh, to the, the 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 Islanders really you know not doing themselves any favors with, with the Sezikis and Bolduc high sticking penalties and. Uh, you know, even Matt Martin at the end of the first period, uh, you know, I, I said when he's not sitting on people, um, he, they're, they're, the, the, the Hurricanes were buzzing the crease at the end of the first period. And Matt Martin uh, just kind of, he, he was a little agitated. Uh, he, he had been looking to stir up some trouble on, on a previous shift. And uh, he, he laid a hit on Jordan Stahl. Stahl is down in the right circle. And Matt Martin just didn't let him get up. He, he he literally, you know, just climbed, you know, he put a knee on the back and it just didn't let him up. And uh, he got called for interference. And I think if he just knocked Stahl down, uh, I don't think he gets penalized there. And then there was a scrum uh, at the Islanders' crease after the buzzer and, and players are literally 
leaving their feet and jumping onto a pile. And somehow Matt Martin's the only guy who was called for anything uh, during that scrum. But uh, like I said, in game three, the Islanders really can't take those ill-advised penalties. Uh, even though the penalty kill was really strong, the, the, the Hurricanes, you know, they, they, they got another power play goal. So they're, they're now... Um, you know, was it uh, three for ten on the power play in this series? While well, the Islanders remain stuck at zero for four, and that's that's one of the main differences in the Hurricanes being up two nothing in this series. Now, uh, obviously, you'll see some changes to the uh, to the Hurricanes lineup without Taravainen. Um Might they turn to Frederick Anderson? And I I certainly think you know. If Anderson is available, and he did not dress for this game, the uh, the Hurricanes announced before the game that Frederick Anderson was unavailable due to uh, um, uh, an illness. So they had uh, uh, Kochikov uh, backing up Ante Ranta. But I, I think if Anderson is available, um, they might turn to him just because, as Brind- uh, Rod Brindamore said after... Uh, uh, after the the morning skate, when he was talking about Anti Ranta getting a second straight start, he's not usually you know um, he doesn't play a ton of games in a row, and they have to be very cognizant of that. So I, I think their preference would they're going to use both goalies at some point. So I, I do think they uh, if Anderson's available, they turn to him. And uh, you know, as for the Islanders lineup changes, well. I think you really now, and we discussed this on the last episode uh, during Andrew's answers. I was asked whether I would insert Parker Wotherspoon for Samuel Bolduc. And at the time uh, or the last episode, I said that might be a really tough spot for Parker Wotherspoon, considering he hasn't played since January, I, I think it was. Um, it, it's been a long time for Parker Wotherspoon to see some game action, but I, I think you're, you're, you're clearly at the point now where uh, Lane Lambert cannot and does not trust Samuel Bolduc. And, uh, you know, if he's going to keep getting benched and now it's two out of three and Bolduc, uh, he played 5.08 in this game after playing eight minutes plus uh, in the other game, so a total of just over 13 minutes in two games. When you've got, you know, Adam Pellick played 27-26 in game three, obviously an overtime game. So those numbers are a little bit of inflated, but not that much. It was five minutes of overtime. You know, Ryan Pulak at 25-51, Noah Dobson at 23-16, uh, Scotty Mayfield played 28-23, uh, you know, so... Uh, they need they they need to have a defenseman out there that they trust a little bit more. And I look, I, I don't know where the coaching staff's trust with Parker Weatherspoon is, but at this point, uh, it, it's got to be higher than than what they're seeing out of Samuel Bolduc. So, you know, I I think you might see that change. And this is unless Alexander Romanov uh, can get back into the lineup. He, he again this game too. It's now. Uh, was it seven straight out of the lineup for him? Uh, the Islanders said he skated on his own on Wednesday, but he wasn't at the arena. So I'm not sure uh, whether Alexander Romanov, because they're not going to have a practice on the off day, right? So uh, it's going to be tough for him to get back into the lineup. And uh, 
But we'll, we'll see all of that on Friday morning. So just to wrap it up, here's Noah Dobson's take on Game 2 and, and Noah Dobson looking ahead to Game 3. Yeah, it's disappointing on the result. But, I mean, it's not from a lack of effort. or um, I mean, down two on the road. Um, it's not easy to claw back in. We did a great job getting back in the game. Um, we got the lead, and that's the way it goes. It's uh, one bounce here, one bounce there this time of year. But uh, we a lot of stuff we can build on. Just get ready to go back home. It starts with one. We get one on at home, and then we just go from there. Did you, I mean, did you feel like this was a better performance overall in game one? Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm not sure how the chances got broke down. Obviously, a lot of their shots, they had five power plays. Um, We didn't have any, so um, a lot of pucks come from there, but I thought five on five, we we played a solid game, and it's uh, disappointing we didn't get the result. What did you see on the winner, and were you surprised that the play was allowed to continue? Um, To be honest with you, I just got off the ice. I was kind of changing. Um, I didn't see it. Um, obviously, there was some frustration there, but I'll have to go back and look at it. But at the end of the day, it's uh, it's in the past now. Um, we just got to regroup here, get some rest, and, and get ready for Game 3. So that's it for Episode 162 of Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast. I'm Andrew Gross. You can find me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday, and uh, you can find all of Newsday's Islanders content at newsday.com backslash aisles. And until the next episode, happy hockey, everybody.